Welcome to the Healing Grove Podcast. I'm Dr. Kristen Ryman, an integrative holistic family physician, author of Life After Lyme, and host in this virtual space of learning, healing, and growing. I believe humans are like trees, and our physical limb is only one of many. Health on all limbs of the tree, emotional, conceptual, social, spiritual, is absolutely required for the whole tree that is you to be vibrantly well. I created the Healing Grove podcast as a place to showcase some of the world's best integrative and holistic medicine, to expose you to transformative tools and mindset shifts for all limbs of your tree. I hope you enjoy our conversation in the Healing Grove today as much as I enjoyed having it. Welcome, everyone. I am so delighted to introduce you to my dear friend, Heather Carden, Dr. Heather Carden. She is she is a fabulous friend as well as an acupuncturist, a chiropractor, and has been practicing alongside her husband, Dr. Ralph Carden, for the last 23 years more, 23 years or so. Besides being a passionate practitioner herself, she's a mother of four young men, is active in her community, her church, her school system, and in athletics. Dr. Heather received her doctorate of chiropractic from Cleveland Chiropractic College in Kansas City in 1997 and she's currently practicing in Overland Park, also in Kansas, where she's the co-owner with her husband of Cardin Wellness Center. Her patients benefit from her knowledge and expertise, drawing on extensive training in diagnostic technology, applied kinesiology, acupuncture, homeopathy, and nutrition, among other things. Dr. Heather has extended the scope of chiropractic treatment into physical, mental, and chemical aspects of her patients' health challenges and her true passion is promoting whole body wellness, gut health, and nutrition empowerment. So thank you so much for being here, Dr. Heather. I can't wait for this conversation. Well, thank you so much for asking me to be here with you in the Grove, and I couldn't be more excited to have a chat with you today and talk about some amazing tools that people could use for their own health recovery and share some of my story along my recovery with you and all the amazing people here in the Grove. Yay! So before we get into some of those tools, which I know a lot of people are going to be really interested in, spoiler alert, we're talking about intermittent (laughs) fasting. Um, I, I really would love to hear you share your story. It's such a powerful one with this audience. So big breath in. It's always hard to talk about yourself. It's always easier to talk about other people. But in 2014, I was, uh, had a big detour in my life. I was on my annual mother-son ski trip and had a small little accident, or what I thought was a small accident at that time. I was snow skiing in Colorado, and I thought I just took a small fall and had a small fibular fracture. I actually left a couple kids on the slope and had my only driving son at the time, or one that could drive, and had them drive me to the hospital and said, I need a pink cast. My other kiddos, I said, I'll be back to get you, and we'll have some hot chocolate. But my Two I left on the slope said, my mom doesn't drink sugar and chocolate and milk. I know this something's wrong. <laughs> she shouldn't have said that. Anyway, what I thought was just a simple little fracture ended up being a much bigger problem. So on that day in March 2014, my life, again, took a huge big detour. I ended up um, 
not only having a fibular fracture, tibial fracture, a complete dislocation of my longitudinal ligaments in my ankle. So a complete dislocation of my right ankle. Uh, ended up having some head injury that I didn't know about. So what developed over the next few weeks ended up being a very rare neurological disease called reflex sympathetic dystrophy. They now call it complex regional syndrome. It's also called the suicide disease. People say, well, why is it called the suicide disease? It is the one disease that has the highest pain disease known to man. So on the McGill pain study, generally things are rated one to 10, it's rated 50, which means it's the highest pain syndrome. There are no known cures for it. Uh, I have denial letters from Mayo Clinic that my amazing neurosurgeon and neurologist actually submitted to two or three different areas of Mayo Clinic, but I uh, don't take that option. Suicide is not an option for me. So I pulled out all my tool belts, all my amazing friends and a healer's tool belts, and I am still here seven years later on my passion, which is helping people optimize their journey. But I was very shocked, and I'm going to say I had an identity crisis. I was here to help other people. People. I want to lead by example. I'm going to be 80 years old skiing, water skiing, snow skiing, running triathlons at the age of 80 and 90. I didn't want to be sitting on the side watching other people participate in life. I want to be the one participating and showing my patients, my family, my friends, and my neighbor what it was like if you actually did the right things. You exercised every day. You tried to get good sleep at night. You tried to keep your nervous system calmed down. Eat the best quality of foods that you could afford. And so when you hit that mild market 50 or 75 or 90, you could have that quality of life that you always wanted, not always trying to catch up game, which I see a lot of my patients, you know, fighting the obesity game, fighting the diabetes game, you know, not being a statistic with cancer and heart disease. Well, again, this was an identity crisis for me. So what happened from a broken fractured ankle turned into tremors and seizures um, that I couldn't go out in public. I found myself, as you shared your story, you know, treating patients and laying down in, in the room after patient in between patients and then having <clears throat> tremors that would embarrass my children so i didn't go out in public because the lights and stores and other things would offset my nervous system so i had a homes tremor i would lose sight in my right eye i was diaphoretic or sweating every time i tried to do something because my nervous system was over aroused so um, again being very blessed of the tools that i had in my pocket from everything you listed up above and everybody i met i was not a to reach out to the amazing healers that I knew. I didn't say no to anybody who came to me and said, hey, will you try this oil? Hey, can I try this on you? Would you mind doing this distance work with me? So I knew that the people that came to me were called to help me along my journey. So we have gotten to a certain point. We calmed down the seizures. We calmed down the tremors. I have my eyesight back. I went from reading five words a minute because I was at the Carrick Brain Center. So I have a nice um, diagnostic stats of where I was and where I am today. So now I'm reading full sentences and books and things like that um, for a long time, hours upon end. Um, and then we came to a standpoint in 2018 where my health had kind of plateaued. We had done a lot of different things and just praying about it, talking with my husband, just trying to decide, do I go to this center? Do I do this more extended fasting? Do I go over to Germany and try this center? Do I go over to this country and try this center? Well, some things fell into place. I do believe in divine appointments. Um, and someone said, have you read this recent article about amputation for this disease? And so 
you know what? I presented it. My husband and I both felt in our gut and our heart center, it felt right. I presented it to my, my amazing neurosurgeon, to my pain management team. Um, and I wouldn't say I had all four of my kids naturally. So this was a whole new game for me, having surgery, taking some pain medication, which I tried 50 something and none of them work for me. So I go back to my roots, which is acupuncture, homeopathy, herbology, and those type of things. Anyway, they were all on board. They were surprised that I was still here. Back in 2014, they told me I had less than 29 months to survive on this planet, but I'm obviously still here today. Um, I did not take the suicide route. I did not accept the 29 months because I knew my kids still needed their mother and I was not done helping a million people on this earth, which was my goal in life and I became a physician was to help a million people before I left this earth. So thank you for letting me help at least a few more people here on this platform. So last April of 2019, I had an above knee amputation um, of my right leg. So that's been an amazing journey. Getting that dysfunctional limb off of my leg has really freed my body up. My resting heart rate has come down 30 points, which tells me that my nervous system is much happier. Again, my reading is much better. I'm driving again. Um, I can sit on the floor and play with my dogs. I can sit on the floor out in the yard and I can garden again before my leg could not be touched. Wind, water would actually blister my leg. It was that sensitive. But now again, I'm out gardening. I guess I love to garden. So I'm out in the yard doing those type of things. I'm out combing my dog, which is great. I'm actually vacuuming my stairs again, which I couldn't do before, because if you can't think about this, if you can't put your leg on something, you can't put clothes on it, you can't let anything touch it, what do you do with it? It's just in the way the whole entire time. And I had gone through mirror therapy, desensitization therapy, we had tried everything. And I mean, I, almost everything I should say, I'm sure there's something I hadn't tried, but you know, once uh, my leg was taken off, again, heart rate went down, my all the coloring in my body went back to normal. It just was like, my body was like, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And we had already checked, was there heavy metal toxicity? Was it reaction to something during surgery in 2014? But as we shared earlier, my journey's not over yet. I still have healing to do. So I'm excited to learn from all the amazing healers here on the Healing Grove. So I'm gonna be 200% tuned in to learn from everybody that you have lined up here. So thank you for all that you've done, the hard work you've put in, the amazing people that you have lined up for all of us to learn from. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for having so many amazing people here for myself and for me to share with all the people that I love and care about. Mm. You're so welcome. Your story is so touching to me. And I'm, I can, I can vouch for the fact that you, I have to, I have to cry first. <laughs> what you said was so beautiful. Um, I can attest to the fact that you searched, you left no stone unturned. I mean, people out there are probably like, well, did you try this, this, and this? Like things that have helped me? Probably yes. Like a lot of people say I've tried everything and like they're still eating gluten, for example. I'm like, how could you say you've tried everything when you're still like not even doing the basics? But Dr. Heather was doing the basics and then level two, level three, level four, level five. Like she was on levels of, of, of you know, kind of experiential trials of things that she was working on beyond beyond what most of us can imagine. So I am so grateful that you are so in tune with your body and you're so open-minded to trying things that can help because absolutely you are on a different trajectory than you were when I met you. I mean, you were clearly on a seeking trajectory, but now you're like truly on a healing trajectory, which is such a relief to those of us who love you. 
Thank you for sharing that. So let's get into, um, before we talk about intermittent fasting, I'm really curious because one of the things we talk about a lot in the Healing Grove is this notion of how to wrangle with complexity. And I teach people that, you know, complexity, there isn't, a, there isn't like a step-by-step guide that can always get you to the same outcome. Complexity means like things are shifting all the time and there's not just one way. There's probably 12 ways, but you don't know what they are until after you've tried them and they've worked and you can look back and be like, oh, that thing, that thing totally helped. Or those things, I don't know, one or the other. I did them together at the same time because I was impatient and I tried more than one experiment at once. But something about that combination helped. That thing over there didn't help at all. That thing hurt me and I'm not trying that again, right? Like you have lived this complex chronic illness. I'm wondering if you are willing to tell us looking back and through the retrospectoscope, you know, which of the things that you tried or maybe continue to do were definitely pieces in your own recovery? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question because generally I'm always being the doctor with the doctor hat on. I took my doctor hat off um, when they first told me, and I love this when my orthopedist sat down, he's a wonderful orthopedist. We refer, refer a lot of people to him when we find breaks and fractures and things. And he sat down and he said, you know, I need to tell you that I think that you have reflex sympathetic dystrophy or complex regional pain syndrome, complex, talking about the complexity. I heard you share about the stories of herxine with lines and things like that. So I took my doctor head off when he said that he got a tear in his eye and said, you know, this is something that we don't remiss. It doesn't get remission. It, you know, we don't cure this. There are no, there's some drugs that you can try, but this just tends to spread in your body. And I thought, no, my body can heal anything. You don't understand. The body has an innate capability of healing everything. It's like, we got to turn the positivity up in here. Well, then, then time went by and I kind of ignored things that were happening. I pushed my body and pushed my body. So I should not have pushed my body. Um, I know that for sure. When I had my fracture, I fell at 11 o'clock in the morning. It was my first run of the day. It was the first time that all my kids could ski black. I was no longer on the bunny slope and we were going to do the first run of the day. And then we were all going to take the cat run. It's like, we were going to spend our money that we had saved up. We we're all going to take the big cat run and be dropped on the side of the slope. So with that story being said, so I fell the first run of the day before we got to do our cat run. I sat in the waiting room and I had all my kids naturally. And they said, my foot was hanging out to the side. I had my kid taking pictures of me we were doing breath work through that we were telling funny stories and saying that's my foot I know it can go back so we're visualizing everything and they said do you want some pain medication I'm like no just set it I know what needs to just reduce it well they reduced it and I could automatically tell it wasn't in place and they said well would you like some pain medication I said no again so I had I had said no to pain medication for the first three or four hours and they said you're going to go into surgery at 5 p.m. Again, I fell at 11. They took images at one or two and I said no, I really don't want drugs in my system. And so they said you're going to go to surgery at five. Well, there is a 50 car pile 50 car pileup on the highway. So I got trumped as I started triage people. And so I wasn't having surgery again. Again, I did not take pain medication. I think. I should have taken pain medication. I should have took my badge of pride off and taken pain medication much earlier than I did because I didn't end up having surgery until like two o'clock in the morning, the second surgery at seven o'clock in the morning. So I tell people, it's like having your finger on a burner. And if your finger's on the burner for too long, it starts to just really ruin the rest of the nerves up your arm, up your hand, instead of taking it off. So I should have said, you know what? I need some help and take some pain medication. And then when I start, that was the first mistake I made. And then when I got diagnosed and I got sent to physical therapy, I shouldn't have pushed through physical therapy. I kept pushing throughout my 
pulse was going up really high, like 180 and 170. And being an endurance runner, I mean, my resting heart rate was 60. I couldn't even get into 120 sometimes or 130 running and cycling. So I should not have pushed so hard through uh, physical therapy. That was a big mistake. I shouldn't have pushed longer days. I should have let my body rest and listen to my body a lot more. I guess I should say through all those years, I've learned much I've learned so much more to listen to my body and say, it's okay not to do the laundry. It's okay if I go to bed with my floors a mess. It's okay if the meal isn't perfect that I've cooked. Um, and then as people have helped me along the way, if they've gone to the grocery store for me, it's okay if they didn't get the perfect organic red bell pepper. Um, it's okay if they didn't get that. So I've learned that um, it's okay to let people help you. I've learned that it's okay to let your body rest. It's okay to say no if you don't want to do something. So I know the mistakes I've made along the way. I've learned a lot of lessons that way. Um, and again, that, that anybody can have an accident and no one is perfect. And it's all about just being 1% better today and not to confuse perfect with better. And I think that's what we all do. And when you talk about the complexity of any syndrome or any disease, what I generally like to share with people is try to I don't want to use the word fix, but try to resolve the easiest thing to resolve first. Don't try to resolve the hardest thing first, if that makes sense. Like I think sleep is the most important thing that we need. It is a secret weapon to really getting your body starting to healing. So try to work on sleep first or sleep hygiene than trying to fix something else that's much harder, try to resolve something much harder. So I think that kind of answers your question of what have I learned along the way and what can I help other people learn along the way that you cannot fix or resolve every single thing. There's a domino effect that continues to happen inside your body. When you talk about complexity of any type of syndrome or any type of pain issue or just any even type of emotional storm going on in your body, whether it's physical, emotional, or chemical, once that domino first starts to fall, you really don't even start to feel that until there's 60% damage that has happened, like a small tornado inside your body. And then you've got to look and say, okay, what's one little thing I can shift one degree today to make a difference tomorrow that'll make a difference the next day? Yeah, you're really getting to this concept of the sort of idea of baby steps. And, and being honest with yourself about what you truly can accomplish in, in a day or in a week or in a year, right? Like a lot of us want to be there already. I certainly fall into that category, but super impatient, wanting to be done, wanting to be healed. Really, you know, a lot of my own suffering during my illness was just frustration that I wasn't there yet, you know? Um, and so fixing that, that's, you know, it's, it's low hanging fruit in a way because it's just a mindset shift, but it's like, it's everything, right? And it's really hard to do. You know, working on that, the pride of not wanting to take medications, like that's an ego thing. But like in the end, that potentially could have prevented your reflex sympathetic dystrophy, right? Like it could have prevented the, the pain syndrome because you were laying down those tracks of feeling pain, you know, in the same way that your heart rate and your autonomic nervous system was laying down those stress tracks. Like you were just repeating that signal so often that it became the groove that the, the wagon wheels fall into. Right. And now I have to forgive myself for looking back and saying, well, I learned a lesson because you're right. Could that have stopped this whole thing from stopping? So I can't go back and say, well, what I could have, should have, what if I did, what if, and why me? You just can't do that. You can't say, well, why was that me? You, I, I think for anybody right. who's had an accident or has contracted Lyme disease or something else, you can't say, why me? You just have to move forward and say, well, why not me? What can I learn from this to help other people? I love that. I love that um, reframe. So let's talk about how you're helping other people. You are a fanatical about gut health and I love listening to you talk about it. You 
Dr. Heather has you know, Facebook lives going right and left, and she's always got something really interesting to say about how to heal the gut. Um, one of the things that hasn't been represented here yet is intermittent fasting. And I know you um, have a lot to say on that. Would you be willing to kind of walk us through some basics about what that is, what it means, why anyone would do it, who shouldn't do it, you know, who might be unsafe to do it and all that? Yeah, that's about a three hour talk. So I'll try to talk slow, <laughs> very slow. Um, so I want to say one thing. I am a farm girl from Kansas. My dad was a farmer. We milked cows twice a day. We created pigs, like we milked 80 to 100 cows a day, created three to 400 head of hogs. And then we ran about 500 head of cattle. And my dad also farmed about 1500 acres. So very early on, I learned the importance of the soil. Um, my dad would taste the soil, he'd smell the soil. I knew about crop rotation, how important the bees were and things like that. And I remember saying how sad my dad would get when we would see like herbicides and pesticides coming out. And you know, when the soil started getting depleted and we'd say, you know, we don't have the nutrition that we used to have in our food today, our cows and then people started supplementing with hormones and things inside our food. So that just lays down a heart strength for me when a little girl remembers riding her tractor with her dad and him talking about and being so passionate about the soil and about the nutrients that we're eating. And yes, my dad was a dairy farmer and he grew wheat here in Kansas, but the wheat that he grew was whole wheat. It wasn't bleached and enriched and hadn't gone through all that process. So I'm not going to go down the gluten road today, but when you talk about intermittent fasting, it's really just means a time that you're eating and a time that you're not eating. It's actually the way our bodies were designed we're coming into this world which means our babies today are go through 40 weeks of gestation unless you schedule a c-section um, just like our ancestors came into this world about 40 weeks of gestation all babies come into this world in ketosis while they're waiting for mother's milk to come in babies are still meant to be fed through their mother's breast as they did decades and decades and ancestors ago or back in biblical times if you want to say that or cavemen times it's the same process um, our bodies were not meant to be fed 365 days a year not meant to have drive-through conveniences like we have now and eating 24 hours a day even if we take a little hop back to 1970s 1970s we were only eating three squares a day and we we're eating in a 14-hour time frame because we didn't have 24-hour grocery stores and 24-hour gas stations and so when we look at the trajectory of what's happening with our children not surviving out surviving our life expectancy for the first time in 200 years and we look at really what has changed between the early 1970s to the 1980s or the 70s to the 90s it is the time frame in which we're eating how many hours a day that we're eating are feeding and how often we're feeding and now we know i'm an 80s girl so graduated high school and college in the 80s we're told to eat six plus mini meals a day so take your three squares three square meals plus the snacks be ahead of the sugar game don't let the blood sugar dive down because then you're going to tap into your lean muscle mass which is absolutely true if you're a sugar feeder so when we look at that one thing standing still what's the common factor that's happened we're eating almost 17 to 18 hours a day we're eating almost 17 times a day and we know what's happening there's more nerves in our gut than our spinal cord. So we talk about an overaroused nervous system, whether it be an overaroused brain or overaroused guts. We talk about brain being nervous, anxiety, broken brain syndrome, or we talk about inflammation, whether it's heart disease or blood pressure or gut issues, whether it's an ulcer or ulcerative colitis. We can talk about even big toeitis if we want to talk about that. We need to calm down the nervous system. We need to calm down the brain. How does it start with? It starts with letting the gut rest. We know that our body is its own pharmacy. 
give it the proper food, it makes its own hormones, it makes its own insulin, it makes its own iron, it makes its own calcium and zinc from the food that we eat to make a healthy immune system and healthy bones and everything else that our body needs when we feed it correctly. Again, we talk about my dad, we know that we are nutrient depleted, our cows aren't getting the proper amount of grass and topsoil. With that being said, we do need to eat the cleanest possible food that we can. So get rid of the processed stuff. And that's really what fasting does. It gives our body time to sift and sort out what is processed, what is a real good food that we can eat and give it a time to rest and digest. And if we don't give our time, body time to rest and digest, there's not other healing that can go on. We talk about autophagy, which is really just spring cleaning for your body, which everyone should spring clean your body. And that means just giving your body a time not to eat. And so we talk about intermittent fasting or intermittent feeding. It really is just a time that you don't eat. We used to do this all the time. Like mom made dinner at eight o'clock. We cleaned up the dishes and then that was it. Nobody left their houses to go drive through and get an ice cream cone or drive through and get a slushy. You know, you didn't drive through after school to get an ice cream cone because you went to school all day in third grade. Like, I don't know. I know when that changed in the late 1970s, but I'm so passionate about intermittent fasting because I've seen that be the biggest change. People have a hard time calculating macros, calculating protein, calculating this because your energy expenditure changes every day. But the easiest thing people can do is people can control the hours that they eat. So I generally help people say it's almost more important when you eat than what you eat. And science does support this, absolutely support this. Hippocrates was saying this, or we can look at political protests. We can look at religion from Muslims to Buddhists to Christians. Um, we can look back all the way back even to Gandhi, he was all saying that healing and fasting all comes to help heal the body. So we talk about healing the body from anything or preventative measures. Maybe you're in a great space now and you look fast forward, let the body rest, let it heal. Because when you're not eating or feeding, your body can go help clean up the immune system. It can make healthy new white blood cells, healthy new red blood cells. It can reset your cortisol and your adrenaline and your hormones and get everything kind of rebalanced. I kind of compare it to like the phone. My phone's always a mess and has too much stuff. You also need to like press the reboot button and turn it off upside down, let it rest. That's the same thing you're doing when you're intermittent fasting, giving your body a time to rest and reset. So who should not intermittent fast was also a question that you asked. So we know that as you're growing, metabolic needs are children should probably eat more than eight hours a day because that's kind of the golden time frame that most of those leading thought leaders are saying that we should do a 16-8, which means 16 hours of the day we don't eat. And that time frame, you still can have things that have zero calories. You still need to drink plenty of water. You still can have some coffee, have some herbal tea in those 16 hours, but eat eight hours of the day. Children probably should eat more than eight hours a day because they nap and sleep 12 plus hours of the day. Pregnant women, women who are breastfeeding, anyone who's had an eating disorder, we don't want to create anything else, whether it's been anorexic or bulimic, whichever area of the spectrum that is. People who are recovering from an illness or people who are elderly and frail and have trouble getting in even the smallest amount of meals, they wouldn't be a good candidate for that. We just want them to get proper high um, quality nutrition in. So there's not a huge population of people who should not be doing that. But other than that, I always want people checking with their healthcare provider before making any drastic changes. So make sure we're not giving medical advice here but just sharing current scientific data here. Beautiful. Wow. And you shared a lot with us. So what would be some important things for people to, to do in addition to checking with their healthcare provider before they fast? Should there be any supplements they should take? Are there any particular rules about which of those eight hours in a 24-hour period are the best ones to eat? 
What would you say about that? Well, I always think you should check with your healthcare provider, get a standard panel done. I mean, know where you're starting from. It's like, if I'm going to drive from my house to your house, I want to know where I'm starting from and where I'm going. Get your BMI checked. Certainly someone with a low BMI doesn't have a lot of stored fat should, you know, make sure that you have enough healthy fat in there. Make sure your minerals aren't too low, especially if you're on a diuretic or something like that. Um, and I think that you know, we are nutritionally depleted. Make sure that you're not anemic. Make sure that your sodium potassium are a good balance. But number one, drink plenty of water. That's the first thing is drink plenty of water. And we know that breakfast means breaking the fast. We used to say it was the most important meal of the day. It still is the most important time to eat. But I always like people to wake up, drink water. And then when their body calls for food, and that means your body says, I'm hungry not thirsty, not bored, not just it's eight o'clock, so I eat in the morning, but your body says, I'm hungry. That's when you really want to eat because that's when your body's saying, I'm ready for nutrition. Now I'm ready for digestion, not just eat because it was on the way to work or on the way to drop a kid. That's the most important time to eat really is that time. Eat when your body says it's hungry. Then that last meal you want four hours before bedtime because you want to make sure you digest completely your meal. And that way your body, your nervous system, especially, and your brain are ready to calm down and they're ready to go to bed. Supplement wise, I want people checking with their healthcare provider what they need because you know that you can certainly take a probiotic that could feed a candida issue or you could feed a parasite. You'd never want to give iron if you don't need it at all. So I'm not going to make any specific supplement recommendations for that. But um, scientific research just shows us especially with the obesity rate that we have. Um, I wrote a couple stats down, but I think women 50 to 60 on the average gain 1.5 pounds of fat a year. Women who are 40 to 50, two thirds of women who are 40 to 50 are obese. It is just a very high population of people. Well, we found that when you intermittent fast, it helps balance out your hormone. It can also improve cognition. Hippocrates used to have his students set fast about 17 hours before they went to class because he knew the nervous system wouldn't be digesting food and be giving all that brain health. So it helps with cognition. It helps your body burn stored fat. And we know each fat cell or adipose tissue has like 170 different hormones in it. So it helps balance out hormones, helps balance out your blood pressure. It helps improve your brain health and cognition. It helps your whole body run much better. It gives you more energy. There's so many amazing benefits from just eating in an eight hour period. And you don't have to be perfect. And that's what I want people to know. Recognize when you're hunger, hungry, and then just add eight hours to that and make sure you're drinking plenty of water throughout the day. It can simply be that simple. Wow. So I'm sure that a lot of people listening are already like, putting their lunch back in their fridge or looking at their time and starting the clock as they're eating. And so I want to, I want to make sure that they have the support they need. Is there anything else that people should be aware of in terms of how long it takes to get some of those benefits? For example, like do, can people expect to have their brain kind of light up and turn on the first day they do an intermittent fast or does it take several days or weeks? Some people have a one day wonder where it happens the first day that they do that because their body has been so over aroused by eating 17 times a day because carbs are stimulants like throwing kindling on the campfire that they sleep like a baby that first night. Some people have such a high sugar addiction that 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 
hormone leptin is never turned off and they're just hungry all the time. They do struggle a little bit with that. And that's where we use some different tools in our office, whether it's doing some visualization or we use some exogenous ketones or we use infrared sauna or we use acupuncture, lots of different tools we can use for some of that, some meditation, some essential oils, again, lots of different tools. Some people may struggle that first bit of time, but when they focus on what their outcome is, like why they want to feel better, why they need to do that and eat in an eight hour time frame, when they focus on their why, then they have a lot more control over what they're doing and when they're doing it. So I don't have a magic wand saying it's going to take you three days and you five days and you seven days, but it, I, I've never had anybody sorry for trying to eat less often. I've never said anybody say, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have cut out the sugar. Gosh, I wish I wouldn't have eaten organic food. And gosh, I wish I would have eaten, you know, more hours of the day. I've never said to anybody say that. Yeah, I know. It's so true, right? <laughs> like, well, I, I love, I love that I get to wield tools now, just like you that are actually going to help people promote their, their well-being physically, but also up-level them kind of in their lifestyle. Like I talk, I say about Lyme a lot, like Lyme never called on me to sort of become a worse version of myself. You know, I didn't have to start smoking crack or stealing from my neighbor. Like it was all choices that had to be made in order to recover that were actually really important choices for me, my family and the planet. So um, it sounds very similar to this. Exactly. So thank you so much for sharing all this. Is there anything else that you would like to share with this audience from your heart that might be listening for a word or some, some little pearl that, they, that we haven't gone to yet? Um, no, but you asked me to share a little more of my experience. So I'm going to say that the longest fast that I've ever done, um, can I share a little bit more about that? Do we have time? Yeah, we can. So, okay. So I do want to just, I'm just going to view med medically, when you fast for 24 hours, because we didn't talk about extended fasting, when you, when you fast for 24 hours, women increase growth hormone 1,300%, and men increase it 2,000%. So you're increasing your lean muscle mass, you're increasing your cognition, you're getting more oxygen to every single tissue in your body. People are paying to go get injections and buy supplements for growth hormone. Your body can do it itself. And at 72 hours, your body totally starts cleaning house. You make your body's own new white blood cells. They get rid of the old ones. So we talk about longevity and anti-aging. Again, we can talk about a lot of philosophers and a lot of um, religious leaders who have taught this for centuries and centuries, but it can be that magical what happens inside your body when you start clicking on, your body starts using fat for fuel, which are called ketones, and you're not using sugar anymore because you become so so um, free of not craving food or being addicted to food and addicted to making those meals and when you're gonna plan that out. So uh, I do one time a month, I do a 72 hour fast. I do do intermittent fasting. This is what people ask me all the time. What do you do and how does it, what does it look like? I do eight hours or less, probably six to eight hours every day, just depending on when I'm hungry. One time a week, I do an OMED, which is one meal a day. So a 24 hour fast, one day a week only because I'm not running marathons anymore. I'm not running a, you know, five or six miles any day. So I'm not sweating and detoxifying as much as I would like. So it's just another way for me kind of to, to, to de naturally detoxify my body, let everything kind of rest and calm down. And then one time a month, I do about a 72 hour fast just to kind of help my immune system kind of reset. I did go to our cabin in Northern Minnesota. I did a 12 day fast. Um, one time it was, it was, 
so much easier to do in a cabin by myself versus at home when my kids are cooking food and smelling food. And I, I just, I'm a foodie. I love to cook. I have a thousand recipes on my blog, my YouTube channel. I'm always making something fun and recreating foods because I just am a foodie. Um, but it really did a lot for my body. I was actually, my um, GI doctor said, anytime you're ready to tap out, let's do a colostomy bag because I had gastroparesis, which is another, um, which is another cofactor that happens with RSD. Bowels just shut down because it's reflex sympathetic dystrophy. So dystrophy, the muscles get weaker. That's why I was having heart issues and resting heart rate so high. Tremors were happening and not slowing down. So fasting has really stopped my tremors. It has stopped. I had a home's tremor of my shoulder. My, my hands were like a 10 hertz pill rolling tremor. Ketogenic diet, being in ketosis, doing intermittent fasting every day has stopped all of that. Um, if I start to eat sugar or slide off the wheel, that stuff does come back just very mildly. The eye ticks will come back. If I get overstressed or get off my diet or even have emotional stress, that'll come back. But it all calms down simply by just making sure I eat good, real food choices, knowing that what I eat matters. And that's what I want people to know. What you eat matters. And when you're eating, you're either feeding a disease or fighting a disease or preventing a disease. So not everyone on here watching I know is sick. And some people think, what can I do for longevity? What can I do to slow down the uh, father time and slow down that aging thing? Well, you, what you can do is treat your body today, you know, as if you were going to be at this age the rest of your life or to slow down that clock. But we know so much about autophagy is a big word and collagen is a big word. Those things come from when you eat and when you don't eat. So I'm just excited for people to actually take hold of their own health. And that's a golden nugget is that health is a verb. You can choose every single day to start over. Every day you can say, I'm going to be the best version of myself, live my best life ever. I'm going to turn up positivity no matter what happens out there. And I'm going to make the best choices I can make today for myself based on the knowledge and resources that I have. And that's all I can ever ask from anybody. Based on what you have, the knowledge, the education, the tools that you're able to have, just do the best that you can and never confuse perfect for better. I say that all the time because people do that if they can't be perfect, they end up just falling off that detour wagon. And I never want people to do that. They're like, well, I wasn't perfect enough or wasn't good enough. And it isn't, it's not good enough. It's just 1% better makes a huge difference and adds up so quickly. Oh, I'm so glad we got there because that, that giving yourself a little bit of grace, you know, and permission to not be perfect is a, is a big one for a lot of us. So thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Heather. This has been such a gift. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me and letting me chat about some of my most favorite topics that I love, which is gut health and intermittent fasting, and just hopefully sharing a little bit of hope and inspiration about my own story, because I want people to know that there's always hope. There's always, always hope, just as you share your story and the others have shared their health journeys and health stories, that there's always hope. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healing Grove podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to like and subscribe. And if you want to deepen your experience further, consider grabbing a copy of the Healing Grove playbook. With journal prompts for this podcast and 41 others, it's the perfect place to record your learnings, keep track of the tools you explore, and reflect on your own experience. Finally, it's important to mention that even though I am a doctor, nothing you hear on this podcast, whether from myself or my guests, constitutes medical advice. Any intervention you try should always be discussed with and supervised by a trusted member of your own healing team. Thanks for listening and see you next time in the Healing Grove.